Kia ora this is the first of two bonus contents uh, from the latest episode on eugenics and the Mental Defectives Act here in Aotearoa. Uh, the first is with Dr Hamish Spencer from Otago Uni. When we recorded this, the audio was real rough for reasons I still don't understand. So I salvaged and repaired what I think is the most important points, uh, that being on the Mental Defectives Act. I think Hamish gives a heap of depth on the law and the process surrounding it, so please enjoy this unabridged clip. I'd like us to focus on the 1928 Mental Defectives Amendment Act um, Mm -hmm. that had come following the 24 report into uh, mental defectives and sexual offenders, um, lobbying from the public, politicians, and the likes of the truth. Can you take us through what were the key components of the Amendment Act? What was it trying to reform? And what were the big sort of clauses that were being to be, you know, trying to be put in there too? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, the the Mental Defectives Amendment Act of 1928 is, is one of a series of acts that were aimed at dealing with different aspects of mental health. So as as far back as 1846, there were ordinances, one called the Lunatics Ordinance, the earliest one that I came across. There were various Lunatics Acts and Lunatics Amendment Acts. Um, In 1911, the Mental Defectives Act was passed and there were a series of Mental Defectives Amendment Acts in 1914, 21, 28, 35, 50, and 51. And then in 1969, they became known as the Mental Health Acts. And from then on, they've been called Mental Health Acts or Mental Health Amendment Acts. But the change in the name is illustrative, right? I just think it's so, it just tells us how our attitudes, while they might not be perfect today, have certainly improved over the last, um, I don't know, 150 years or so. So the the 1928 Act came out of a committee of inquiry um, that was set up in 1924 that we've alluded to before. They wrote a report that came out in 1925, a report that went to the House of Representatives. And uh, that report had a number of recommendations and um, it went to the Minister of Health. Um, The Minister of Health in the 1925 election um, the Minister of Health changed and it became uh, a man by the name of, of Young. And Young um, uh, was under pressure to do something. And so that's what led to um, the 1928 bill coming before Parliament. So it's important to realise 1928 was also going to be um, an election year. And that turned out to be really important. So uh, let's just go and have a look at this 1928 bill as it was uh, brought into Parliament. So the first thing it did was reorganise the mental hospitals department. And the first six clauses of the bill were about that. And they had almost universal support. They were actually going to make the mental hospitals of the time a whole lot better than they had been, right? Um, and, And turn them from essentially from lunatic asylums into places that that offered some, uh, some kinds of treatment. You know, by today's standards, maybe not perfect, but certainly a vast improvement over what was before. It, it was in some of the latter clauses, however, that there was a lot more controversy. So clause seven, for example, required there to be a list of, of, uh, of the feeble-minded. Um, you had to be registered, and that list was going to be really important. 
Clause 15 uh, required the Director of Education to furnish names of mentally defective children to the chair of a eugenic board. So there would be a board called the eugenic board that was to be set up. But the two really, really controversial ones were Clause 21, which led to, which would have uh, uh, prohibited marriage between those on the register, or in fact, even any sex between those uh, on the register. And Clause 25, which would have allowed the eugenic board to authorise sterilisation. So it was clauses 21 and 25 that led to the, um, to the, to the largest amount of controversy. And you can tell that, um, uh, you should interrupt me if I'm going on to, too far, but the, when it was introduced into Parliament, um, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with the procedure that, that goes on in Parliament, but you have a first reading, which is really introductory and brief, now, you have a second reading that leads to significant debate, and then the, the bill is normally sent off to some select committee that has um, public submissions, and, and the bill is often amended, and quite sometimes quite substantially. It then comes back to Parliament for what's called the committee stage, where there's a clause-by-clause -clause debate, um, and then there's a kind of tidy-up third reading at the end uh, before today it's sent off to the Governor-General for royal assent. In, the, in 1928, the bill, however, was sent off to the Legislative Council, which was the upper house that was around at the time. Anyway, right in the first reading, which is interesting because it's meant to be an, just an introduction of the bill into Parliament, it's meant to be very brief. Um, immediately, the, there, was, there was debate and it centred on the clauses to do with marriage restriction and sterilisation, right? So um, uh, Labour's Peter Fraser, for example, uh, was interjecting in Parliament um, about all sorts of wild theory in regard to eugenics. So that's a good quote. Um, but um, the, the, uh, the first parts of the bill about the mental hospital reorganisation, they were quite uncontroversial. Fraser also interjected, for example, at one point about what do you hope to achieve by the sterilisation stunt? So right from the beginning, the opposition to the parts of the bill picked up on this um, sterilisation. Um, I don't know. Should I just keep going? You can. I can yeah, talk I, about. I, I, I'd I'd be interested um, now if we went to um, the time between the second and the third reading, um, mm -hmm. where these most con these most controversial clauses um, get withdrawn, but not after a bit of fight. Right. So, uh, so the bill actually um, went off was referred after the second debate to the Public Health Committee. So this was on the 24th of July in 1928. And it came back from that committee um, in, on the 18th of September. And it had been, um, it had been amended in a number of ways. Um, it had, it had uh, for example, um, um, castration was, was not in the original bill. Um, it would have to be vasectomy. That was the original um, ruling. But they also included uh, in a ban, a ban on overectomy too in the, in the amended bill. So there were a number of changes made, but it came back to the, uh, to the committee stage in parliament on, as I said, on the 25th of September. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we think of parliament sometimes as being a fairly um, acrimonious place with, with really fiery debates, but really this would have been pretty fiery at the time. Um, the, 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 the um, opposition, which consisted um, of the Labour Party and also parts of what eventually became the um, United Party with the remains of the Liberal Party, 
Um, they were they were opposed to it. It took them an 11 and a half hours of debate to even agree on a short title for the bill, right? So there was just, there were just endless divisions called. The government had an enormous majority, right? So in, in 1925, they, uh, they had a majority of, of over 20, um, but the, the opposition put all sorts of, of amendments in. Um, the leader of the opposition at the time, um, Holland, for example, um, tried to move that the bill be delayed for a year, and that would have taken it to after the election that was due at the end of 1928. Um, they, um, they, they pushed really hard about the definition of mental deficiency because the definition was rather loose. Um, the, the Minister of Health who was in charge of this bill was this guy Young that I was telling you about before. Um, and um, he offered to hold over certain clauses but was really vague about it. And it was not at all clear what was, was going on. Um, after a while, the Prime Minister, uh, Coates at the time, uh, clearly got fed up and decided to make the bill a, a party measure, which meant that the government um, could apply their, their whip and, and essentially force it through. Uh, but he, again, he was a bit vague about which clauses might be postponed. And there were government members who were opposed to the bill. The other thing that was interesting is that the number of MPs that were in the House dropped quite remarkably, right? So um, there should have been, uh, I think 80 was the, the total at the time. Um, uh, and many of the amendments um, were, were passed with only half the members there. And that's partly because it was going on all night, right? Um, the debate just went on all night. Um, the date doesn't change, something I didn't know. Um, if you go past midnight and debate is still going on, Parliament is still on the previous day. Um, but half the members weren't there. And I don't know, but I suspect it was because some of them were not very enthusiastic about it. But they were all paired. So that was a process by which if, if a government member wasn't there, one of the opposition members would similarly not be there. And that preserved the government's majority. So all the amendments that, that were um, proposed by the opposition were all defeated by, by pretty hefty margins. Uh, nothing was ever close. And then uh, they broke for breakfast at some time in the early morning, 6.37, something like that. But the date still didn't change because they hadn't stopped that session. And during breakfast, something happened. I don't know. It's not recorded because, of course, it wasn't public. And at that point, the marriage restriction clause and the sterilisation clause were withdrawn. Um, it's very frustrating that we don't know what happened exactly. And so you kind of have to um, speculate as to, you know, just what happened. Um, I, I've got a, a number of, of suggestions about why that happened the way that it did. Um, but, you know, I can't really prove any of it. it. It's certainly true there was a lot of public opposition to those clauses. So if you go and I, I did sort of systematic uh, looks through the, um, the evening post from Wellington, and you can see that, this bill was, was in the newspaper every day. And there were people writing letters to the editor, both pro and against, and there were feature articles. Fraser wrote a three-part one that was um, you know, a really long article. Um, and so there, were, there, was, there was lots of debate in the newspapers. There was significant opposition. As I said, the Labour Party and the Liberal Party were both opposed. Um, there were the Catholic Church, there were a number of um, newspapers that were opposed as well. And um, the, uh, as well as some academics, but not all, and we can come back to the academics and read it if you like. Um, and as to say, there was a lack of enthusiasm from a number of government MPs. I pointed out some were not in the chamber. There were even one or two who, who spoke against it. 
The MP for Gisborne, for example, a man called Leisner, um, opposed it and actually voted against it. One or two spoke against it, but didn't actually vote. But also these aspects, the, the Reform Party, which was the government of the time, in spite of its name, was a conservative party. <coughs> and, and this was not really a conservative measure. You know, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, small c conservative. Um, and um, the other thing, of course, is that there was an election coming up. <coughs> coughs here, excuse me. So there was an election coming up and no, nobody, no party, no matter what political stripe they are, <coughs> wants to be seen, you know, trying to get controversial legislation <coughs> through Parliament on the eve of an election when it's not clear that their own supporters would really be in favour of. So I suspect that was a large part of it. As I said, also reform had a huge majority. They fully expected to win the 1928 election. And so they could just hold it over to the next parliament. 